Hello, and uh, wherever you are today, the Lord be with you. I'm David Brook. I'm the hub leader in the Chapelfields Hub Parish of Church Wigan. It's Saturday the 23rd of May, and I apologise to you for the lateness of today's reflection. Our passage today is the whole of Acts chapter 22, and things are hotting up for Paul, so I recommend you buckle up for the next couple of chapters, really. Acts 22 beginning at verse 1. Brothers and fathers, listen to the defence that I now make before you. When they heard him addressing them in Hebrew, they became even more quiet. Then Paul said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, educated strictly according to our ancestral law, being zealous for God, just as all of you are today. I persecuted this way up to the point of death by binding both men and women and putting them in prison, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can testify about me. From them I also received letters to the brothers in Damascus, and I went there in order to bind those who were there and to bring them back to Jerusalem for punishment. While I was on my way and approaching Damascus, about noon a great light from heaven suddenly shone about me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I answered, Who are you, Lord? And then he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but did not hear the voice of the one who was speaking to me. I asked, What am I to do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Get up and go to Damascus. There you will be told everything that has been assigned to you to do. And since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, those who were with me took my hand and led me to Damascus. A certain Ananias, who was a devout man according to the law and well spoken of by all the Jews living there, came to me. And standing beside me, he said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. In that very hour I regained my sight and saw him. Then he said, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear his own voice. For you will be his witness to all the world of what you have seen and heard. And now, why do you delay? Get up, be baptised and have your sins washed away calling on his name. After I had returned to Jerusalem and while I was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw Jesus saying to me, Hurry and get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believed you. And while the blood of your witness Stephen was shed, I myself was standing by, approving and keeping the coats of those who killed him. Then he said to me, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Well, up to this point they listened to him, but then they shouted, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. And while they were shouting, throwing off their cloaks and tossing dust into the air, 
the tribune directed that he was to be brought into the barracks and ordered him to be examined by flogging to find out the reason for this outcry against him. But when they had tied him up with thongs, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, Is it legal for you to flog a Roman citizen who is uncondemned? And when the centurion heard that, he went to the tribune and said to him, What are you about to do? This man is a Roman citizen. The tribune came and asked Paul, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Paul said, Yes. The tribune answered, It cost me a large sum of money to get my citizenship. Paul said, But I was born a citizen. And immediately those who were about to examine him drew back from him, and the tribune also was afraid, for he realised that Paul was a Roman citizen and that he had bound him. But since he wanted to find out what Paul was being accused of by the Jews, the next day he released him and ordered the chief priests and the entire council to meet. He brought Paul down and had him stand before them. For the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, the first thing that struck me about that passage was the power of Paul's testimony, the sheer power of it. I wrote about Paul's Damascus Road experience for these reflections back at the end of April. Doesn't that seem a long time ago now? And I commented then that it was one of those events in Acts that will be recounted more than once. And here we are. Paul tells the story in quite some detail, and you'll notice it's almost the same words, and includes his sense of shame at once having approved of the stoning of Stephen. It's a frank and powerful account. But I came to the conclusion that it wasn't the heart of the chapter. The next thing that struck me was Paul's powerful position. He's educated and polylingual. He spoke to the tribune a moment ago in Greek, and now he addresses the people in Hebrew. He's a great orator. People always stop and listen to him. He has all the advantages of both an impeccable Jewish pedigree and Roman citizenship by birth. That even puts him above the tribune, who had to pay a lot of money for his citizenship. But I came to the conclusion that this wasn't the heart of the chapter either. Then I noticed that there's a theme about doing the right thing. Paul had always, in the past, done the right thing as a Pharisee among Pharisees by persecuting Christians. He was a man bound by the law. And the Tribune, too, wants to do the right thing. And when he discovers Paul's citizenship, he's terrified that he's done the wrong thing and will be in trouble. But that isn't the heart of the chapter either. I was struck by the powerful and unpleasant reactions of people who feel threatened. The dramatic reaction of the crowd, shouting, throwing off their cloaks, raising a dust storm. The automatic assumption of the Tribune that the best way to get the truth out of a man was to flog it out of him. In contrast, Paul's calm challenge to that powerful man comes out of his peace and security in Jesus. But I decided that that wasn't the heart of it either. I was struggling. Then finally, finally, a couple of things jumped out at me. In fact, I would say that Jesus pointed these things out to me. 
And surprise, surprise, they were the very things that he spoke to Paul about. It suddenly hit me what it was that had tipped the crowd over from intent listening into rage. So sudden and so dramatic. Did you notice what it was, though? It was when Paul spoke about Jesus speaking directly to him. The idea of Paul claiming to hear directly from God was an outrage. And then there's not just the fact of it, but the content of what Paul claims Jesus had said. Paul says that Jesus, the Lord, God, had warned him that they will not accept your testimony about me. And then told him, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. More outrage. He's saying, and he claims Jesus, he claims God as his authority, that they... The crowd are deaf to God's message and the Gentiles are more receptive and equally deserving. It all seems to hinge on that moment and in the context of the story Paul has just related from his own life, it makes perfect sense to me now. Paul has just given an account of how he was confronted with his own utter selfishness, self-righteousness, sinfulness, the real blindness of which he was healed. His whole worldview, his faith, his understanding of God, his position in society were torn down to their foundations on the road to Damascus and then rebuilt from the ground up. The foundations were the same. Ananias spoke to him with the authority of the God of their shared ancestors. But suddenly... Everything built on those foundations was completely different. The people in front of him, though, simply aren't ready to have their worldview confronted. This crowd are not ready. It's just too threatening for them, and they explode. Jesus had warned Paul that would be the case when he left Jerusalem, and tragically, it's no different on his final return. But that doesn't prevent him continuing to testify in Jerusalem, in Rome or anywhere else. He does not speak to them in accusation. He speaks to them in testimony, in hope that they will respond. He does not give up. And he does the same thing for the crowd, for the tribune, the council and for Felix in the next chapter. Jesus warns Paul that many will not accept your testimony, but testify he must. He cannot help himself. The same applies to us. Many will not accept our testimony either, but testify we must. Pray with me that Jesus will give us that same drive and compulsion to testify to our faith in him. So would you join me in praying as we finish? And together with disciples of Jesus across Wigan, throughout Liverpool Diocese and around the world, we pray in the words that Jesus taught us. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive them that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen.
God bless you in the rest of the day ahead.